To see examples of what we talked about on this episode, along with further information, go to bunchofdorks.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Two Dimension Podcast. The comic book podcast with no direction. What's up, everybody? You know that song. You know this voice. That's right. It's your boy, Rook, stumbling over his words. Joining me, as always, is the man who is just more. It's Don Moore. Yes, we are, and we have somebody cooler than we are tonight. (laughs) Definitely cooler than we are. Professional skateboard... uh, Professional skateboarder, again, stumbling over my words. Here we go. Professional skateboarder, uh, writer, published in so many different things... And now comic books as well. Everybody say hello to Ruben Nadada. Yeah, I just hello. killed your pronunciation. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> How's everyone doing? Thank you for having me on the on the show. I, this is going to be lots of fun. Like I said, I'm actually a a, a, a long time listener, so this will be pretty sweet to actually be a part of this. Nice. That is so cool, man. Thank you so much for listening to the show. And man, you've got such a um, you you've done so much stuff. I mean, like, uh, I was telling my kid who loves skating, who I was talking to today, and he he was like, "Oh man, yeah, narflip, man, narflip." Uh, like, I can never do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, for anybody who doesn't know, Ruben's uh, Ruben, as he says on his website, is credited with creating a trick, uh, but. My kid actually knew the trick when I said it, and he's like, "Yeah, I've tried that." He goes, "I suck at it." <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's not an easy trick, and to also, the, I guess the, the the downside to it is, uh, with the magic of editing, you know, it makes it seem like I could do it all the time, but it's not easy. You know what I mean? So, if when someone asks me, "Can you do it?" I'm like. I don't know if I can do it right now. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like it's I've done it. You know, I have to like get warmed up just to do it. So, and not only that, but like, I, I skated professionally like in my twenties. You know, so like I, that's not like my career right now. I still skateboard all the time. Uh, in fact, I was skating uh, yesterday, um, but I'm just like not like jumping off of things like I did when I was younger. You know what I mean? Now I just kind of like do it the same way I started for the love and the freedom of it and I just enjoy getting the exercise from it and uh, it's just the the passion for me because growing up to to be honest um, I did play like some team sports and I was always like benched or or bullied or whatnot, and like always kind of left you know behind the scenes actually I remember distinctly uh, being yelled at by a, a basketball coach because I took a shot and made it when he told me to pass it to like, hmm. you know, the star player or whatnot, you know. And in baseball, they would coach would have me edge forward and get hit with the pitch on purpose just so I can get on first base. And <laughs> it just Dude. all the fun was not there. It was just <laughs> so brutal and just like, so like when I picked up a skateboard, it was just like, I can do what I wanted, how I wanted, hmm. whenever I wanted. Yeah. And how I got from point A to point B, it was like an open canvas, like. Yep. You know, you can give a, a a board to three different people. They don't have to have like lots of skill, but the way they get from point A to point B, their decision of like what swerves they do, what tricks, what maneuvers, which direction they get there, like like I just think that's beautiful how everyone can um 
kind of paint the picture the way they do, you know. And I just love the freedom of just writing on the board. Like I just yeah. love it. I'll, I'll do it till I'm, you know, I'll be a, a, a 80 year old with gray white hair cruising the <laughs> beach, just pushing forth. No tricks whatsoever. Just having fun. Just feeling the wind blow through my air, you know. And that's the- <laughs> yeah, man. I know exactly what you mean. I can't. I can't skate a regular board anymore, but I like I like having a long board. A long yeah. board, it's just you know, it's 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 a great way to just cruise. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so I was never any good with it. I, I could never do any tricks to begin with. Uh, I'd always go and hang out with all the guys. You know, uh, Dallas, the other guy on our show, uh, was way better than I ever was. And I remember hanging out with him all the time, watching guys doing stuff, and I'm like, yeah, I can't do that. But I can go from A to B. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, get there. <laughs> you know, life's just about doing things you love. You know what I mean? I just, I just love it. I just love there's just this freedom I feel when I'm when I'm writing, and uh, yeah, it's just I just love it. I'll always do it. I, you know, I did it when I was younger, and I, I got paid to do it. I did competitions and stuff, and had the pressure of all that and sponsors and things. And then now I don't have any of that pressure and. I got to do that. I got to live that part when I was younger. I knew I had to do it when I was younger because I wanted to do other things when I was, I was getting older, you know? So yeah. I kind of purposely chose it, you know, yeah. um, to do it then at the time and go for that, that dream. Um, and then now I get to do everything else I want to do. I get to do my writing, you know, I get to do my music. I get to do, uh, you know, I have a comic book store. Uh, I do a convention in my local town, which we're going to bring back now that, um, you know, the world's getting a little bit better, yeah. right? Yeah. We're going to eventually bring that show back because we took a hiatus because of COVID when it hit. Right. Um, so just a lot of cool things, you know. That's awesome. Cool now, speaking of your comic book shop, you're like, if I read right, you're the only comic book shop in your area. There's no yeah. other, nobody else. Yeah, we're the only uh, brick and mortar store. And uh, as of this, um, I don't think we've, we actually, we haven't publicly said it yet. We just got nominated for our second Eisner. Oh, wow. That's awesome, man. Thank you. So at San Diego Comic-Con, we'll be there. Um, It's hard to win that, though, but we're nominated. So I'm just, hey, for me, that's the the win already. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. yeah. Just to be nominated for the Eisner is such a huge, huge deal. And um, prior guest on the show, Dave Baker, his book, uh, Everyone is Tulip, is nominated. Nice. And... I, I swear, watching him right now, I think he's like floating on cloud nine. He doesn't even care if he wins. I think. Right. I think he's yeah. just happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the same thing. I don't even. Yeah, I, I, I. It's really hard to win it. I mean, the last time we were nominated, the store that won, they were like from Spain or something, and it was like this giant two-story comic right. book store. And, like, we're just this little shop on the border here near Mexico in the valley. Right. So the fact that we're just we're nominated, like I'm. Uh, to me, I'm happy with that. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. That's, that's right. cool. We, we, we just hit our seventh year in business on May 2nd. So we've been around for seven years. How, so did, how we're, did the store come for, about? How did you... So, how, uh, go ahead. Yeah, so when I, when I, when I kind of uh, transitioned out of, out of skating, um, I was helping manage a store, a uh, local skate shop here in my town, and the store owner... Uh, I was kind of in this transition period. Sadly, uh, he ended up passing away, and he was like such a huge one of my best friends, you know, still to this day. Um, and um, sadly, he ended up passing away. And when that happened, he kind of closed his shop. And I, I didn't want to open like a skate shop or anything because I didn't want to like 
I don't know. It just felt, you know, like leave the legacy there. You know what I mean? Like that was his thing. And, um, and I had always told him I wanted to do, you know, my own comic book store. And, uh, and yeah, just like, you know, he was just having conversations and and, and thinking, it was just like, I'm just going to do it. And he was like, yeah, just do it. Just, you know what I mean? Just make it happen. And I've always kind of just been like that where I just, you know, you only live once basically. You know, and it's just like, I'm just going to go for it. Like, I'm just going to go for it. There isn't one here. Before I opened the store, there hadn't been a comic book store in our county for over a decade. Nothing. Really? So there, yeah, nothing. There was nothing. So there was no way to get comics. You, you, you either ordered them online or you left town. And so when I opened the store up, we opened in a, in a city called Colexco, which is right on the Mexico border of Mexicali, Mexico. And... It, it was very interesting because we had two types of customers. We had people who have never owned a comic book in their life, mm-hmm. right? Never bought one, nothing. Uh, you know, a younger generation. And then we had a uh, older generation who was like, oh, I used to get comics all the time, or I still have some of my collection, you know what I mean? Or they have the memories of more. They were getting comics, but they were having to go out of town to get them, right? right? Um, so I, we had this interesting mix so in the beginning it was really fun because there's nothing like seeing someone come in and, and buy a comic for their first time and, and and look at the the new release wall and they're just like i don't know what to get and you you know as a comic store owner being there when i first opened the store i mean now i have a store manager but at the time i ran the whole thing myself i was the only employee i was doing everything so yeah i was basically like curating you know what i mean like mm-hmm. it was really fun like kind of help so what do you like and you know, do you like action, adventure, horror, sci-fi, you know, and kind of having to guide people and, and introduce different types of stuff, you know, and, and everybody knows Spider-Man, uh, you know, but like maybe they might like this or this indie title and then that ends up becoming their favorite thing, you know, so um, yeah, it was a lot of curation that took place and it was it was really interesting when we first started and, and now here we are seven years later, I mean, time flies, you know, we're actually in the the neighboring city, El Centro, we moved one city over yeah. uh, because at the time when um, we were in the other city of Calexico, uh, there was a customer who I had who ended up opening a store <laughs> in the same city, which I thought was kind of like, ah, why is he doing that, right? But but then I ended up, when, when our lease was up, I was like, well, you know, I'll just move over to another city just to not step on toes while we'll I have a market. Right. And eventually he ended up closing after like a year and a half because it's tough to keep a brick and mortar store open yeah it is and then i stayed in the city that was at which is the city that i lived in anyways all central california and then to this day we're still here seven years so um yeah it's just a a, i just it's a staple here it it needs to be here we need to have a a a store if we weren't here there would be no comic book resource you know what i mean so that's awesome that's awesome you were talking about when you opened the store people were coming in is that did you just open it did you advertise how did you get the word out yeah so when i opened the store i just connected with all the local newspapers um there's about like four in our county and i just contacted all of them and uh, for, for them it's an exciting thing because um you know, you know how the news is. A lot of it's yeah. like just bad news. So anytime there's like a some positive article, like new comic store opening, like I swear, like, uh, uh, you know, in, in our county here, um, a new Jack in the Box opens and it's like a big deal. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's just, just yeah. so so like a comic store opens, it's like, uh, you know what I mean? Like wow, there's a comic book store here. You know, so 
I just reached out to all the press and we did a whole thing and um and then uh, uh not only that but like you know with it coming out when we were opening in, like in May we weren't too far off from like the free comic book day and all the all the excitement of the San Diego convention coming up and because San Diego is only like an hour and a half two hours away from us you know yeah. so it just kind of got the blood flowing for the community and and yeah we just had people just kind of start coming in uh and not only that but the the the, the border to Mexico is right next to us and there's a massive population there so a lot of people would cross over because over there there's no the comics are are either bootlegs or they're in Spanish so they're not like the true first prints you know what I mean oh okay yeah um, and so people would cross over to buy you know the first prints at our store or something like that you know what I mean right yeah I'd actually have people who come would come over and would kind of like quantity buy at the store and then go back and i knew exactly what they were doing you know right. yeah, they were like reselling it over there uh, i was like whatever it's all good as long as you're buying it you know right. I mean? uh, yeah does do they still publish their own comics in mexico like they used to do you know um they they still do they also do that with some action figure stuff too um not all the publishers just like i, I know marvel has like a thing you know yeah. Um, but the thing is, like, they're still technically not first first prints, you know? They're, right. like, re... They do them after our, ish, our editions come out, and they'll make them, like, in Spanish or whatnot, you know? Yeah, but yeah. They, they used to do a Kalimon in Mexico. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, like, actual originals. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you know what? To my knowledge, other than, like, independent stuff, no. There's no, like, uh. there's no, like, big, big, like... There's no, like, publisher publishers that I'm aware of. Um, and I think we would be aware of it because we're right on the borders. We would have right. been hit up a long time ago for that. But I know exactly what Kaliman is. Um, yeah. I actually love seeing that stuff come in our store because sometimes we buy collections. And since we're so close to the border, we would get some really sweet foreign stuff that would come in. It was so fun to open those things up. Right. Like, I just love the art on some of those, you know. Um, some of those, like, uh, the Hombre Arañas, you know, the Spider-Man, the, Mex- the, the, yes. the Mexico yes. ones. Wow, like those alternate covers on those were gorgeous sometimes and when they would come in it's like it's so funny seeing them but it's so cool you know right Dallas uh, who's not on the show tonight he and I had a mutual friend uh, she was from Columbia and she'd be around us and she'd hear us talking about comics all the time and at one point she just said her her niece she was at her niece's place and she had a bunch of romance comics and she says I read them I liked them that's basically her extension of comics. But then later, as we went on, she thought, and she remembered Kalimon. That's how I learned who he was. Yeah. And then she'd send me a couple of pictures through email and tell me about him. And then she thought there was a jungle man called Arandu. That was one of her mm-hmm. favorites. Yeah. And uh, turns out, Spanish-speaking comics have a lot of jungle men. <laughs> yeah. You know? But, yeah. But, um, yeah. Those were her two favorites, but then um, as time went on, she kept, oh, there were so many, because her brothers would read them. Uh-huh. And uh, but most people I know, Spanish-speaking, thought Kalimon was an American. And I said, no, he was an American character. I've never heard of him. Um, yeah. He was from Mexico. and yeah, um, Mexico. So that's where I got interested in, you know, the, the Resto Santo had a line of comics, too, which uh-huh. were awesome. That's why I was always interested in it. It kind of breaks my heart that they're just bringing American comics over. So. Yeah, the San- Santo, that was the Luchador, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That I've seen a couple of those pop in the store <laughs> yeah. uh, early on, and those ones are really cool, too. There's also another one called 
what was the name? Aguila? Uh, <clears throat> El Aguila? I, I've like seen it. I've never read them, but I've seen it. Yeah. yeah, there's a whole thing. Like, there was a whole era where all, they were, you know, printing some cool stuff. And um, I always loved the art in them. They always had this distinct uh, color to them. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was pretty beautiful. Sometimes it almost was like color pencil-y looking, but yeah. it was beautiful. And uh, I always really, really loved looking at that. Um, but yeah, those those Kaliman books, some of them are really old because that one dates back pretty far. Yeah. So, and a lot are collectible too. If you can, you know, because it's it's tough to find those in high grade. That's the other yeah. thing, you know. I've yet to see one that was in good condition. If I'm being honest, yeah, they're usually not too, too, too well taken care of. So, high grade ones, I would imagine, uh, appraise high value, right? Well, I I'll be honest with you. I, I keep my comics in good shape, but when I see a, a worn out comic, it did its job. It, it, it's it yeah. was a happy comic. They're yeah. made to be read. People read them, and um. I don't see that as a problem, <laughs> you know. And they yeah, should just yeah. print some more, and then that way everybody can have them. So anyway, well, <laughs> now when you introduced yourself, you told me something that I'm kind of fascinated with. There's an Archie comic coming out that you're a part of. Yeah. So um, and actually, kind of leading segueing off what you said. Speaking of, uh, that's kind of my introduction to Archie. Is like I would read the heck out of those little Archie digests. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Those, those. those are the those were the first comics I ever like owned owned you know so right. like, I, at the checkout lane uh, you know my mom would be like to me and my brother like you can only get one thing you know it's a candy bar or whatnot and I remember my, my brother would always get candy and stuff and I was like I want I want that I want the, the book and so I'd get these little Archie double digest because I know my brother would like eat his candy and be done with it but that little digest I can read it then I can read it next yeah. week I can yeah. read it crossing the border from from mexico back to the united states and that four or five hour thing where we're stuck there in the line you know what i mean like because there was no smartphones there was no you know right. laptops at the time that was entertainment you know what i mean we we weren't we didn't have the money to have a you know there was no screens in the cars or anything so that was entertainment you know what i mean so the comics in the old archies go way back for me and so to go full around a circle and now actually be like writing Betty and Veronica and Archie and like this you know the the best Archie comic ever uh, which comes out worldwide June 15th um, I'm really really honored to be a part of that and um, super excited for it to come out um, so it it is I don't just say this because uh, I'm on the project but it is the most action-packed Archie comic you probably have ever read it's like Archie it's like an Archie blockbuster, right? Uh, you know what I mean. And, and it's super exciting. We got a uh, really, really great team actually. Um, so it's three stories in one. It's a one shot. So this is an easy grab. Um, but there's three stories in it, and uh, my story is called Operatives, and it, it's uh, Betty and Veronica, and Archie's in it as well. But it's uh, it's called Operatives because it's a, a spy espionage thriller that takes place in an opera house, and they're they're spies, you know, they're 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 secret agents, so they're thus the word operatives, you know, I kind of use the yeah, and so basically they're trying to catch this mob boss called Big Carp, so it's a new villain in this book, so it's the first appearance of a villain as well. It's never been in Archie before, and um, they're trying to catch this mob boss who's uh, rumored to be there at the opera house, and that's pretty much as as much as I'll say on the details, you know what I mean? Right. But it is a very fun, fun story, action-packed. Uh, Betty and Veronica, if you like those action-packed movies where you got 
you know, like the Luc Besson films with right. the Ben Fatales and the, right. you know, this is very much in that vein, uh, just action packed. Um, and that's my story that's in there. But there's also two other stories. There's a, there's Jughead the Bulgarian. Yes. The, the, the team <laughs> I on, hysterically at that. Yeah. The team on that is, uh, Jed Daughtry and, uh, and Aubrey Sitterson. So they're the ones working on that. And then there's another story, uh, it's called, well, the other story that's in there is called Once We Were Heroes, and that is the one that Tim Seeley uh, is doing with Fred Van Lent. And mm. uh, every, we've all heard of, of Fred Van Lent, you know, Tim Seeley. They've worked on all kinds of stuff, so they've been in the industry for a long time. And then the art on my story is done by Georgia Spacito, and she's a wonderful artist. She did the interiors. She's uh, well-known for doing uh, all the Doctor Who stuff. Oh, yeah. Titan right now. So that's that was my artist. So that was my partner, because it's kind of it's pretty cool. We all got partnered. We were like teams of twos. Uh, right. It almost felt like little competitions, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, so Georgia was my teammate, and she's 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 incredible, uh, easiest person I've, I've ever worked with. Honestly, she just she knocked it out the park. She's super talented. Um, and then uh, and then our, our wonderful editor Jamie Lee Ritante. Uh, I went back and forth with her. I'm really fortunate to have her as my editor because she was actually. Uh, Jamie Lee was actually the writer on Betty and Veronica in the past, so oh, we kind of had already this like cool, kind of like a passing of the torch kind of thing. You know what I mean? So like, nice. I was writing it now, so it was really sweet, and I'm just really honored to be a part of this project. Um, there's two covers. Uh, there's the Tim Seeley cover, the cover A, and then there's the the cover B by Tom Whalen. Uh, oh yeah. Whalen, yeah, Tom Whalen does a lot of like action figure. Uh, art and stuff like that yeah, he's you know a po- poster artist yeah he is you know what? i actually owned the cover to cover a when it uh i hit up tim early on i was like dude i want to buy it because like this is like a milestone for me yeah see if i get oh it's that oh, one right there he's got it right there behind yeah. him yeah I, I was looking at that oh yeah, look at that that's a, yeah that's just, you guys have seen it colored in already yeah, yeah. that's the cover yeah, that they always that's show what i've seen online but this is the actual uh yeah inked and yeah Look at that! So that's cool, man. I'm keeping nice. this bad boy forever in the uh, <laughs> in the office. But yeah, I was really excited because this is like my uh, you know my rookie book on on uh, Archie for them, and I've written a lot of other stuff already actually. But that's like my big one, and this 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 story is like um, I mean it's 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 uh you you guys will see it, it's 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 fantastic. Without spoiling too much, it's action packed. But the fact that it's a one shot and that they're keeping it at the price point of four bucks, wow! You know, yeah, for everything for three you stories. Get into it, that's a great price for for a one shot with three storylines in it. Definitely, so. it's it's basically like if you bought a Marvel annual, and we all know that those are usually like five six bucks. Yeah. You know, so yeah. So but, I think the annuals are more than that nowadays. Probably, yeah. You're right. Yeah, they might be seven or eight. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But. but um, um, I just bought the the Thor issue uh, twenty four, which I guess is a big anniversary. Yeah. I bought it because it has a ten page Walt Simonson story in it, who is one of my favorites. Yeah. But I paid eight ninety nine for it. That's the uh, cover on it. Is that the cover on it? Uh, They're around that price range, no? That's why, because I know the Marvel Voices ones are ten dollars. You know. Really? Yeah, the Marvel Voices books with like the the. The square bound on it; those are like nine ninety nine. So I'm not surprised if. Uh, yeah, eight ninety nine, right on the cover. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's yeah, just so this, uh, this, 
Just yeah, a regular this Archie one shot is a is a is a super deal. So highly recommend mm. it. And there's two covers, so you can pick the one you like. You know. Um, so, um, go ahead, Rob. You've been writing a long time. Yes. But is, this is your first actual comic book that you've written. Uh, so I've had indie comics that I've put out. Uh, I put out this indie okay. comic called uh, Illegal Aliens with a Z, and it was about a. a uh, and we it was exclusive to a convention in Arizona, and we sold out that one quite some time ago. And we were I actually had a, a whole pitch going for like a pilot for like a television show for that for a while. And uh, but that one was funny because it was called Illegal Aliens, and um, basically it's with my experiences growing up with the border. It was about someone who crossed the border fence uh, illegally and ends up dehydrated in the desert, thinking he's hallucinating things. And he actually sees something on fire, and it's a spaceship that crash landed, and it's an alien who landed, and he saves the alien from the crash landing, and they basically they become best buddies. You know what I mean? They help mm. each other out, and they're out in the middle of nowhere in the desert. And then the like the you know the like this the the, uh, the CIA and all them come out to investigate what that was all about. But um, they basically become best buds, and so the alien is best friends with the alien, and they're like illegal aliens because they're technically like you know. So it's kind of a comedy. So it was, I would kind of pitch it like if it was like a cartoon. Um, and uh, I just I, there's a lot of like uh, IPs that I've been working on for quite some time. Uh, well, I did that, and then I also wrote some stuff for uh, Dave Garcia for PandaCon, mm-hmm. which is yeah, a spinoff yeah. of a Ninja Turtle uh, character. And uh, he's had that. Actually, there's an animated show com- coming out. The pilot actually already got finished. There's an animated show coming out for that. But I wrote the comic book, the last more modern story that yeah. came out I did that for them and then before that I was writing um, a lot of action sports articles because when I was in skating I would write articles for like five or six different companies including like uh, back then there was something called EXPN which is ESPN but it's right. ESPN yep. and so I was doing some writing for them I did some stuff for Power Edge which is like a skateboard magazine which is like came out back in the day when like you had Thrasher and all that, and then they made a, a comeback, and I was writing for them and stuff. Um, so I've been I've been writing for a long time in different capacities, but um, I just got in like when the pandemic hit. Um, I was in the transition of uh, I was taking classes at the Kubert School. You guys heard of the Kubert School? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. So I was taking classes at the Kubert School, and I was—I'm actually out in California, so I was actually taking them online, and eventually, you know, graduated, took past my classes, and so on and so forth. You know, uh, finished those sessions with them, uh, and I—I I, uh, and yeah, I just basically all my writing, the script writing and stuff that I was doing, it, it was just so different from the comic book scripts. And even when I was writing the other comic scripts. I was doing them so differently. So in that Hubert school, I really, really learned how to like harness the craft and and like mold it down. You know what I mean? Like really perfect it and uh, get it into a system where like it it was more um, easier to get out to different editors and publishers and stuff like that. And it really, really helped me. I learned a lot from the from the Hubert school um, and from them. Like off that bat, that's when I started submitting all the a lot of the different scripts I was writing and, and I got a gig with Archie and um, yeah, and we've done this. And you know, what's, what's cool is I was such a fan of Archie that I actually sent them scripts like years ago right. and uh, they never, you know, hit. And then now kind of in the way I, I perfected it and got better at writing comic scripts because there's a specific way to write them. 
um, I got, I finally got the gig doing that. So it's, it's, you know, never give up for anyone that's listening out there. Don't, don't ever give up. You know, if you have a dream, you know, if, it, if you fail, get back up and try again, you know, you just got to do it better, learn how to go around it. I guess it's kind of in a lot of ways, like, like skateboarding, right? Yeah, I was thinking fall, that. <laughs> I'm not going to land a trick, but what am I going to do if I fall and I walk away because it hurt? Mm. I got to try again. You know what I mean? It might take me 12 tries. Shoot, I might. I, I tried a skateboard trick for three days one time, just to line it once. You know what I mean? Because going yep. back the next day, you just got to do what you got to do. But if you really want it, eventually you'll you'll make it. You know what I mean? And, and uh, kind of take a lot of that from from skating. That's a good life lesson I learned from it. You know, accept the failures, and then when the successes comes, it really means something now. You know what I mean? Some things yeah. were too easy. It wouldn't be uh, as great. You know, it's just the yeah. truth. You know? Yeah. That's that's awesome, man. I mean, you know, you, so you've had a passion for comics and, and Archie really since you were yeah. a kid. Yeah, so that's. I mean, how did that feel when you found out you were getting you were getting this book? I mean, oh, you must dude. have been like, boom, through oh, the roof. Dude. When they sent me the cover, and because the the cover that you see, well, the one that the cover A with like our names on the bottom and it says Nahara yeah. and stuff. They sent us that before we were even done with the, uh, like we were still in the process of, of deadlines and stuff. Right. And they sent yeah. us that, and like I had to like pinch myself. I actually took that image and I stuck it on my desktop on my computer. Of course. Every day when I woke up, I would look at it and be and like that was like inspiration, motivation, you know. And yeah. I fin- I finished my. I think I was the like, I think I was the fastest one to turn my stuff in, honestly, because <laughs> I was on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, I was like eagle mode. Um. But yeah, like uh, uh, words can't describe it. I mean, to get to contribute to the universe, the Archie universe. I mean, Archie's been around for eighty years. Eighty yeah. years, you know what I mean? Right. It's like to get to like contribute to that and and etch into the stone. You know what I mean? A little bit like yeah. that, with like a story that I yeah. wrote. And uh, I, it's super cool, man. It really, really is. I don't know how to, how to really express it all the way, but it's. It, you know, it's better than landing a gnarly skate trick, honestly. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's like that feeling, you know? It's just like, it's incredible. And, and also, it is also incredible just because I know how hard it was, you know, hmm. how long it took, you know? Because, you know, the, 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 you know, just learning, you know, the, all the work through the years and building up to I get to that point. Um, I mean, I, not necessarily just the Archie scripts, but I've been writing scripts and, submitting stuff since i was like a like a kid you know what i mean i was like really really young so i've always been writing something i mean even creating stories i could take it all the way back to when i was like you know eight or nine playing with my ninja turtle action figures and you're making your own worlds and building stuff i mean that's storytelling in its own way you know so i feel like i've always been storytelling you know i just now like really log it down and and the format of, of writing i love it because you can basically create these billion dollar budget movies you know what i mean and and like not have any restrictions you know you could take your characters to space you can create create subterranean worlds like i mean that's that's the beauty of writing you know yeah yeah, absolutely absolutely i love it it. there's nothing else like it in my opinion you know yeah Yeah. no that's that's so cool man i mean I, i i absolutely love that you get to do this and it, it you know archie is they've done so much weird stuff with archie over the years like uh the archie archie versus predator 
Yeah, and Punisher. <laughs> yeah, Punisher. Punisher was, Punisher yeah, was a right. funny I one. About that. He met Kiss. <laughs> yeah, and he met Kiss. Yeah, yeah. So like you know the uh, the the storyline you're talking about is just awesome. I I can't wait to pick it up. Um, you know, I, I also I have to talk to you about the Ninja Turtle thing because I I yeah. see Donatello sitting right next oh, to you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't. Yeah, so that. That's uh, that's Donatello from the. That's his head from the third movie. Oh. Yeah, that's the actual actual one from it's, the movie. It's the only one that exists left. This, this really? is the only one that's uh, that's in this shape. The Michelangelo that exists is missing the eyeballs and the some of the teeth. That that I've seen. This is like one of the only complete ones where it still has everything. The only thing that's not original is the bandana. That's okay, not the I original see. bandana. The original one is so faded that it looks like transparent, like clear white it's like super faded it's like deteriorated but other than that the rest of the the heads there this is the one that used to have uh the animatronics in it for for a little bit and they would do some stunts in it and things like that you know yeah. but um yeah I, I i collect movie props so he's just like one of them i have him there because he's he's smaller and he's easier to keep there but i actually have uh leonardo from the first movie the whole thing but it's in a, yeah, it's in a crate, and I need a display box for it, and I'm trying to save up to get a display box for it um, because I need like one of those display boxes that's kind of like museum glass because okay. of the uh, the humidity and everything. Yeah. It's yeah. like sensitive, and and that one is from the first movie, so it's even older. And not only that, but that one is it's made by Jim Henson himself, whereas this one's not. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. That that's is, so freaking cool. Yeah, really so yeah, it's like in this big crate, and I, I haven't taken it out yet because I know when, once you do, they tell you that like basically the clock is ticking. You got to get it in the the because mm. it's foam yeah. latex from from you know thirty thirty five plus years ago. You know. Yeah, so. yeah. You got to get it sealed up so that it doesn't that that the humidity and everything doesn't affect it. So yeah, yeah. I've always been a big Ninja Turtle fan, so. Nice. And when I had chances to get those, I, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't resist. They're, they're pieces of like cinema history. You know what I mean? Yep. It's just, oh, uh, I do. yeah, I just love it, man. I, I'm, my, my introduction to skateboarding was actually from Ninja Turtles, the first really? Ninja Turtle movie. <laughs> yeah, when they're when they're skating in the sewers. Yeah. Yeah. That intro. That, that's the first time I ever saw a skateboard. Like some people trip out on that. That's the first time I ever saw. I was like, "What the heck is that?" It wasn't even a human being. It was the Ninja Turtles, you know. So, so like my love for like, like pop culture and all this, like yeah. it runs like really, really deep. It's like deep cuts, you right. know. Yeah, right. that, that's cool. That man, yeah, I remember. I remember when uh, seeing the Ninja Turtles skating in that movie. That was just like that was so cool. Uh, but at, at that. At that time, we had also had uh, like Gleaming the Cube had yeah, come out cube. already and stuff. So, and I was a uh, I was a big fan of I don't know if you ever heard of it uh, the comic book called Shred. Oh yeah, I have heard of it. Yeah. 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 Oh yes. Yeah. See, I'm validated. Somebody else knows the book. I yes. I know it too, Rook. I told you I bought the third issue way back in '87 because Bill Sienkiewicz <laughs> did the cover. Yeah, Bill Sienkiewicz. Yeah, I I uh, I come across some crazy stuff buying comic collections as a store owner that's how i came across that book i was like yeah. what shred what <laughs> yeah. this is crazy like you know what i mean like things that people wouldn't be so stoked on but i would get super stoked right. on it that was but, rook's introduction to comics wasn't it with shred that was yep that was uh so uh 
that was that was my grocery store comic book. Wow. Shred. I, I would I would snatch that up anytime I would see that sitting there. Uh, it was it was always either like Thrasher magazine or Shred or the Archie Digest, like you were talking yeah. about. Yeah. Uh, but I would color in my Archies. Uh, I would take nice. I would take crayons and color them in. <laughs> I would try to trace the art because I was never a very good artist. But you know, I would try to put those those kind of transparent sheets yep. or put put yeah. a regular paper like in the light and i would just try yeah. to trace because that that was just what i did like as a kid i got more value out of the book like that i didn't just read it i did all you know what i mean oh, yeah. so yeah. my archies were battered and beaten dude like i really you, you know yeah, yeah. I, I don't even think i have any of those old archies anymore because i mean they just they they were they were mangled yeah <laughs> i mean like heavily mangled but i mean i read those things cover to yeah. cover so many so many times as a kid you yeah. know and yeah it, it's just archie archie is such a part of pop culture i mean it's yes. it's it, it's just so cool you know i mean and then uh like my wife and i are uh we watched the riverdale show mm-hmm. Which is which is like a weird whole different take on archie <laughs> yeah yeah so is the sabrina show you know like it's That's- it's there's yep. so many uh, uh that's one of the cool things is like archie has, has such a vast diversity of like within itself like uh, the, the possibilities they're not afraid to try things that's cool yeah. you know they're yeah. not afraid to try things yeah uh, yeah absolutely i mean that that's uh, that's probably one of the things that you can say about archie comic books that uh, that goes above and beyond any other is that they really aren't afraid to try absolutely anything i mean they they will they will go wild with archie and do the craziest stuff and you know some of it's like okay that was really weird and then others is like that's just cool as all get out so yeah uh, well like you, and like you said you get to you get to add your name to that list that list of creators that have worked on this now that, yeah that's wild yeah, yeah it's awesome man i don't take that for granted and that's uh, i mean that's why i have the original art i could not like yeah, I was like, oh, dude, I gotta buy that. <laughs> no, one thing I I haven't really been to see any of the stories except for the cover and a couple of examples. But what I've seen, it's kind of that what I call the new style Archie. You know, it's the mm-hmm. more realistic looking. Um, I haven't seen the story that you've done. Is it in the same type of style, the newer style that they're using? Yeah, it's like well, since it's three stories and it's like an annual. Yeah. It's actually like three different styles, oh. which is interesting. Yeah. So as you're reading it, you're going to get these creative teams that all draw, draw even color. Even the colors are different. Right. Um, so like, you kind of get your three different styles. It's kind of cool. Like like you can you can tell from when you're reading one story to when you're reading the other one because the the dynamic changes, like the style changes. It's almost like. Um, you know, like if you saw yeah, Teen Titans and then you see Teen Titans Go, the animation's so right, different, right. but it's still mm-hmm. Teen Titans. And it's kind of like that, like the Archie stories, all three of ours are like really different from each other, you know, in that sense. Right. So, I, um, I guess my question on it was, would you, with a different style, would you have written the story differently? Say if they would have, say if they're still doing the old Dan Montana style. Yeah, okay. and um, would you have written it different if you had to stay in the old style compared to what what you're doing now? Would you have written it any differently, or would it have been the same? Um, good question. Um, 
I don't know if I would have written it too, too differently because I probably would have had fun seeing how they would have still done it in the old style, you know? Right. That probably would have still been really fun to see. So, uh, it, it, you know, it's almost like when you want to, like, Simpsonize a character, you know? <laughs> and, like, you put him in the Simpson world, you know, and then that style kind of. Like, I, I could see it just being the same. Hmm. Basically, like, I was tasked with uh, six, I think it's around six different scripts. And so I wrote six different scripts, and that was the one that they went with. Uh, and even when they went with that script, uh, I had to kind of change some things about it afterwards. Right. So I kind of just go with, uh, you know, like a little underlying concept, like a one or two sentence thing that's kind of uh, as an option pitched, and then I'll and then I'll do a whole story, you know. Yeah. So and sometimes as like a writer, you'll do a whole story. And they might cut it, and they might not use any of it at all, which is what I used to do a lot of back then. But when I, well, after I took, uh, you know, after I did, I learned everything at the Cubert School. I really learned how to like to narrow it down, so I don't waste as much time. You know right. what I mean? I can do like six-page mini scripts. You know what I mean? Versus turning in like a twenty-two pager, and then they shut it out. You know? Because right. imagine spending all that time working on something, and I'm like, nope. You know? So when you can shorten it down, not have to do all the details, and you can you can fix it up afterwards, you know. So, um, yeah, I mean, essentially, uh, I don't I don't really think I would have really did it too much differently, you know, because right, I would have right. still had fun seeing how it would have came out, you know. Yeah. So, but, so what I just caught is there's there's five more Archie stories that you wrote. Oh, I wrote. Yeah, I wrote. Maybe, a, I wrote quite able, a bit. Like, we might be seeing more. Yeah, I might have, I might have, I might have done more than I really needed to. You know what I mean? Right. But like, I, I just, I just got so into it. You know, I had the opportunity. I was like, I'm going all out. I, I think, I think that's just, I think that's just like my personality. Maybe yeah. it's just like from the skating or whatnot. But like, it's like, if I'm gonna go for it, I'm gonna go for it. You know what I mean? It's like, let's go full charge. So, I, I, uh, you know, I, I did more than I really needed to. I kind of went above and beyond and. And uh, this is the one that hit. And uh, at any given point in time, if we want to come back to the other stories, we can. And then we have some other kind of story. Because I wrote some, some some sci-fi stuff. I wrote some, you know, I wrote a couple other different things. Uh, there's a sci-fi story I wrote that I really, really liked. I thought was really funny. And um, so, like, you know, who knows? Maybe down the line we use something like that. Right. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, that's like, but you know what? You know what else is wild is the process of creating something like this there's so much work that goes into it because i'm not just talking about the standpoint of like my job as a writer and what i finish because at the end of the day even if i hit deadline and i finish writing what i was supposed to write and i turn it in and i foolproof it i check the grammar and the spelling and everything there's a whole team that gets access to it after that also has their deadlines you know and so it's this giant chain of events that has to happen just for one title for one release, you know? So from me, it'll go to, uh, you know, the penciler. And then sometimes a penciler is the inker as well, right? Depends if it's digital or not. Sometimes it's a different inker, and that's a whole other person you got to hand it to afterwards. And then it has to go to the colorist, and then there's the letterer, you know what I mean? And sometimes some people do two two jobs at the same time, but the process and all the hoops that it has to go through uh, to get to the finished product and then the editor has to go over it and then usually the covers are done 
probably first. The covers are usually like the first things that are usually done. Um, it's just a lot of work. It, it just it just really makes you once you've gone through that process when you hold the book physically in your hands, it just makes you appreciate it even more because oh, yeah. it's like so much work went into like making this one thing, you know. And, and and when you look at a shelf full of comics, and I know this as like a comic store owner. You're just like, look at all the work, you know what I mean? You're looking at all the books and all the work that went into all of them, and it's just like, it's incredible, you know? Yeah. It's, 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 uh, it just makes me appreciate it more, you know? Well, it's even more than that. It's also the marketing people, you know, the promotions people, yes. um, accountants, uh, you know, the, the people that's scheduling the printing. I mean, yep. yeah, I see that. And that's why I feel sad when they put them in bags and boards and put them away. They should be worn out like all the books that he's saying come through his store. <laughs> looked through. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, and I think that the, the interior artists are, sometimes I feel like they could be underappreciated too because like, yeah. like Georgia, the, the work she did like on my story, I mean, she's drawing all the panels. She's drawing all the stories out. She's got to go like, you know what I mean? Like she's got to like create everything and the action sequences as like as I write them um and like it's just a lot of work you know what I mean it right. really is a lot of work like like sometimes one page in like an interior could take as long as like what the person did on a cover you know what I mean except the yeah. cover's done now right but the interior artist has to keep going they've got multiple pages they right. gotta do and they also don't wanna lack it because you can kind of see when someone's kind of throwing the towel in on the interior sometimes. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can see the differences. And like, so, you know, and she went, she really went all out. So I'm really thankful to be teamed up with her. But like, you know, in other comics that we've all seen together, like in other things throughout the years in the 90s and the early 2000s, where it seems like some people maybe phoned it in. You know what I mean? Well, that was yeah. always. That wasn't just those times. I, I remember yeah. as a kid, I would see comics where the artist would put a lot of time and space in the certain panels uh, maybe certain pages but there'd be in some pages a couple of panels were really well done and thought out and the rest of us kind of like well just whatever and it's just what the first thought on their head is just down yeah. and um yeah I saw that all the time I was saying that it's what he's explaining it's extremely labor intensive yeah and uh, you gotta get these out and you know there's no time to watch tv or or go to the movies you gotta get these out every month yeah so. schedule 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 <clears throat> schedule and also like you said don like um i should have added that in too when i was saying but you're right like even after everything that like we do and all the parts that we do it still has to go to the printer yeah and the yeah. printer still has to print it on time yeah. and even when they print it on time they have to print it correctly and not have like mix the file up or something or like you know what i mean like, oh yeah the cover's got to go on the cover and like because i've seen some marvel comics they're like top tier and i've seen errors in them but i'm like how did this be how did no one catch this you know what oh, i mean yeah. like mm. there's things that happen sometimes and you know double covers and missing pages and it's like i don't know how this happened at the printer but weird stuff happens sometimes you know and it's baffling all the time all the time you, yeah i mean I, I used to work in, uh, closely with uh, a print shop, uh, a major printer actually, that did uh, NASCAR stuff. Oh wow! And the 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 guy I worked with came into my into my office and he hands me a copy of a NASCAR book, uh, the souvenir books that they hand out. He's like, "Here, I want you to have this." And I take it. And I'm looking at it. And I'm like, "Wait a minute, there's something wrong here." 
And he goes, yeah, you noticed it. And I was like, souvenir spelled wrong. <laughs> he goes, yeah. We've, he's like, we got halfway through the run of, I don't even remember how many, and we noticed that they spelled souvenir wrong on the cover. Yeah. So they had to stop the stop the whole run, yeah. redo it, and it, so they end up uh, in printing. You always end up with uh, with extras. So they thought it would be funny. They bound uh, they bound up a couple of them uh, with the with the actual interiors with the misspelled souvenir cover. Yeah. And they like handed them out to a couple of close friends of the print uh, print company. And I had one of those for the longest time. I ended up giving it to an uncle who's a huge NASCAR fan. And I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, NASCAR would kill if this thing actually got released because there's only yeah. like there's only like like 20 of them in existence <laughs> with the misspelling <laughs> it's air, a rare air collectible now oh yeah, yeah. oh I, I love rare rare like you uh, my wife has a living dead doll collection and one of them nice. is the label is upside down on it oh wow yeah yeah yeah, so that that one is like held off to the side. Like nobody's allowed to touch this one. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, being collectors and being a comic book shop owner, we all know how like crazy it is when you see something like, "Hey, wait a minute!" Like this page got printed upside down somehow. Or <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a uh, as a retailer, we've done some store exclusives with big companies, and we did some stuff for Nonstop Spider Man. And there was a Alex Ross one in two hundred ratio cover, uh, okay. which is no joke. You, you would think they print less of them because it's a one in two hundred. And like the copies we got, more than half of them didn't have staples. Like they were missing staples. And oh so God. like I was like, how did how do they like how did they ship this out? Like who, who the person putting them there? Like nobody like he didn't say anything. Like there's no staples in it. It's just like a. a it, Sometimes it's like, like, how did this get through? This is so wild, you know? Like, oh, like, I can tell you how that got through because yeah. uh, I, I hate to say it, but usually the in a print shop, the people folding and stacking into the boxes for shipping yeah. are usually day laborers. Mm. So, like, they're just trying to get through that stack as fast as possible so that they can yeah. make their money at the end of the day. And yeah. so, like, if if you don't have a print boss running running by the table to check it's going to get totally overlooked so yeah yeah, but even even under ideal circumstances things like that are going to happen anyway um i work yeah but it's great for us (laughs) i work believe me i sent those to cgc i'm like i wonder if they're going to put like staple missing or something on (laughs) that i hope they do you know yeah when i was in high school i worked at a silk screen company and uh, there was a rock station whose mascot was a blue walrus and they sent us um, what they wanted my boss drew it up but it was the blue walrus had the the call names and it was those little decals you stick on your car and when they were printing when they printed the things out and I walked by and looked uh, the walrus didn't have any eyeballs they were just white eyes (laughs) yeah and I said what happened? Well, what happened is he pl- mixed the plates up, and um, he put them on the wrong part, so they were printed over. And um, oh, wow. and by this time, they were <laughs> they were already printed on sheets. They were already cut. I mean, you know, they were little. You know, you'd print like six on a sheet or eight on a sheet. They were already yeah, cut up. 
And uh, I just looked at it, and the owner walked by and said, what are you looking at? I says, he doesn't have eyeballs. <laughs> and uh, so what we had to do, we had to, <laughs> we had to make a, another screen of just the eyeballs and line up each decal and print them, which, you know, it took a long time. Um, uh -huh. There was a couple of clients that did um, stereo components, and we would print on metal the, you know, the faces, the volume controls and all that. And they came in and they kept laughing. By this time, it was a laughing stock. Everybody's making fun of it. And my boss came out and he goes, it's a Little Orphan Annie walrus. You know, I don't know if you guys are old enough. Little Orphan Annie and Daddy Warbox and Pinjab yeah. the Genie didn't have eyeballs. They were just white. Yep. Yeah. And I thought, well, that's, that's clever. But I mean, it's just things, you're dealing with human beings. You're always going to get something happen like that. Um, something breaks uh, they're trying to get a deadline um, when you're under the gun a lot of kind of things happen and you're just gonna stick in the box and ship it out and you know I mean how many did they print and how many were messed up it's not probably a lot yeah do you guys remember that that fanta the Fantastic Four book from the was it the 80s but it had the the I guess the the colors the printing from the colors ended up being like a variant because the colors would were wrong. You know what I'm talking about? It would be like this neon black light looking Fantastic Four cover. And so there's two variants to the same book. And this hmm. was like in the 70s or the 80s. But it was like this error. And they were saying because the color toner was running out or something and they just yeah. kept printing them. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, I vaguely remember something about that. Yeah, so that, that was pretty trippy too. We kind of had something like that at one point too. Luckily, when we did our Marvel variant, we had this, um, again, back to Archie, we had this beautiful, uh, we did this nonstop Spider-Man story exclusive, which I absolutely adore. And it's a, it's, it's a Peter Parker Spidey with his mask half pulled up, and he's drinking out of a milkshake, and he's got Mary J and Black Cat next to him, and it's, it's yeah. a homage to the Archie milkshake right. cover. I know what yeah. you're talking about. That was our store yeah. variant. It's beautiful. I love it. David Nakayama, a friend of mine, did our art for that. Yeah. And uh, I love that cover. And luckily, everything came out good on that book. For some reason, only the Alex Ross 1 and 200s have the missing staples thing, which is weird. But yeah. luckily, our book came out fine. And um, But I, I, there were like some, like uh, through the bottom of the stack, some of the colors would start to fade a little, which wasn't really, really like too big a deal. But it got me thinking that like, you know, we forget at the end of the day, like these machines, they do run out of ink. Yeah. And that kind of makes a variation in the printing sometimes, too, you know? Right. Yeah. Just oh, those yeah. kinds of things, you know? It's like you don't really think about them sometimes, but a lot of things could happen, you know, down the line. There was a know? Fantastic Four when John Byrne was doing it in the early 80s. It was the one where um, Dr. Doom shrunk them all down. They're living in a little tiny town. Uh-huh. And there's a double-page spread when it opens up, and it shows Dr. Doom looming over the city with a magnifying oh. glass. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, I know what you're talking about. There was yeah. a run that happened exactly what you're talking about, where instead of Doctor Doom wearing a green hood and a green tunic, mm -hmm. it was pink. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the variant. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Most of them came out green, but there there were some where it's pink, which is funny because all of a sudden he went from Doctor Doom to kind of a Hello Kitty kind of thing or Barbie, yeah. you know. <laughs> but yeah, those things happen. It's like double covers. Double yeah. cover, which isn't that wild. That double was covers on on uh, <laughs> when you when you like 
because like the double covers are interesting because when you send them to get graded they'll count the better cover really yeah even if it's on the interior yeah so like i've sent a book in and it'll say uh it'll still it'll it'll get a 9.8 because the inside cover is a 9.8 worthy but the top cover was like a 9.4 and they'll still give it a 9.8 but they'll put it in the label double cover it's really trippy it's 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 an interest it's an odd thing but um there was once a, a guy who sent a book into cgc it was a Amazing Spider-Man 361, I think, which is first appearance of Carnage. Um, if I got the numbers right, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, it, he had... It was something wild. It was like a quadruple cover or something. <laughs> it's wild. You can, like... I think you can, like, Google it. It was this wild thing. It was, like, three or four covers on that book. And so, dude obviously got a 9-8 because he had, like, four chances at it. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> <laughs> Covers. Like, listen, it's gonna it's gonna grade high one way or another here. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care if you rip the, the second one off, and you're still gonna give me the nine eight. So that's <laughs> what we would do. If you got a double cover, you just tore one off, and that was a poster for your bedroom, and you still had a full comic. Yeah. And, um, yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> that's what we always did. I'm not a I'm not a fan of slab comics. Um, I understand why you do some, but a comic book should be read. You know. Yeah. Those Kalimon and, and Santo comics that come through, happy comics. They were they served their purpose. They served their life. They uh, all those marketing people behind it was able to do their job. They're not they're not stuck somewhere in a sad place, never fulfilling what they were their destiny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I I am on the same boat. Um, I have <clears throat> slab comics, but I I think of them differently. So like. Like, I have, like, a slab TMNT number one first print, right. you know? I should not be touching that with my oily hands, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, right. like, that thing is slab, that thing stays slab, um, but I also have a reader copy, right. you know what I mean? So, like, I I I agree, like, that you should be, you should enjoy them. I enjoy my comics, right. but there's some that are rare enough that I know, I know better that I shouldn't be handling them. And so right. my graded collection, I have a lot of rare stuff like that, that they're usually older so like i'll have it in an omnibus anyways you know what i mean um so i usually have it in some way or form to read it but yeah there's a lot of modern stuff that i agree i don't really see the point in grading it like there's a lot of modern stuff that's just i don't see the point in grading it at all like it's just weird like i don't know i just you know there's older stuff that i feel does need to be preserved because i'm all about history and all that you know um, very much like you know how I have you know the prop head behind the has to stay behind the glass because if somebody else owned it maybe they wouldn't take care of it as long and then the last remaining turtle head wouldn't exist because nobody took care of it you know what I mean like well, I do think like if you have Action Comic One Detective Twenty Seven I mean milestone things Fantastic Four One yeah. I absolutely understand why you put them yeah. in it make me yeah. sad but I understand and yeah um, this one comic store I go to in Tampa the guys just really cool but he knows I don't like slab comics and when people come in and want to look at them he's got a couple of long boxes and he goes Don don't look but it makes sense if you're looking for basically expensive golden age comics that's where you look they're preserved yeah. it's it's you know it's you know what you're getting it's not like yeah. you know sometimes some of these guys say they're, they're they know how to grade comics it's like I take it it depends on how much money they need that week is what they're going to grade it at you know what I mean um, yeah it's too many 
it's too many variables so that one kind of cleans it up and if you're you got something you want to protect I understand but yeah some of the, I see people gray you know slab everything and it's not what they're for they're they're for to be red and yeah you know we pass our comics around you know I mean you, you respect them but they're they're to be read they're to be looked at you know and they're yeah, there to trace Rick, off Rick the characters made a great point I mean some of these some of these books I mean they're you, you have them in collections and omnibuses. Um, just recently, I had a friend of mine. We got into a conversation about the about the Wanted comic and how bad the movie was. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the movie was so far off from the comic; it was disgusting. And I told him, I was like, "Dude, it's it's like one of the it's an absolutely fantastic comic." He goes, "I, I don't see that." He goes, I, "I there's no way it can be that great of a comic." And so I brought him into into the collection room, and I'm like, here. And I'm like, you know, I, sh I showed him. I was like, I got I got all the issues, and da, 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 you know. And he's like, all right. He goes, so let me borrow them and read them. I'm like, no, you can't borrow these. You can't, no, here's the graphic novel. Take go take that yeah. and read that. <laughs> so, and you know, I proved my point because you know the wanted comic was fantastic. The movie yeah, was Mark Miller huh? horror. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> Again, going back, I do have a question. We were talking about the Kubert School and the writing. Uh -huh. um, could you give us a little detail on what was different on how you approached it before and what changed? Yeah, so I was doing like uh, short, I was doing like script writing and short script writing. Yeah. Um, so I would write everything like if it was like a, like a movie, you know, movie scenes. Uh, television show pilots stuff like that that was kind of more the style I was doing so I was honestly doing overhaul I was doing a little bit too much you know yeah um, and the, the problem with that is when it comes to the comic script writing um, you got to remember uh, you know I had to I had to learn more that like as much as I enjoy telling the story it's gonna go to an interior artist that also needs to tell the story so something right. that I don't really think it's said is that like the interior artist in many ways is also a storyteller and they don't get that credit you know right so when i'm writing it i'm writing it a little different um i'm describing it in terms of like panels you know or suggesting how many panels and should this be like a horizontal half page should this be a splash page when like before that i didn't really take some of those things into consideration back then because I would be describing what I thought the scene would be, and it, they would, I would think the scenes were the panels, but the truth is you have to lay down the action differently because when you write it as like a film or a television show, you're describing a whole scene that's moving in motion, whereas like, you know, you can have six bits of dialogue go back, but when you're doing panels, you can't do that because you're gonna have to separate them. So maybe one panel will have the person saying it, and the other panel could have the person's expression. You know, right? And so the way I was aligning them back then, I was doing it too much like, like a film or show. You know, where I was used to the actress or the actor who I knew they were going to recite this, and this was going to be the playing field or whatnot. And with the comics, I really had to like break them down into pieces, but also not, but also leave room for uh, my collaborator to collaborate. You know, yeah. right? You right. got to leave it in open for interpretation for them. Uh, now, how much how much back and forth uh, did you guys have uh, working on the book together? Like, would she finish finish a page, pass it back to you, and you know, would would you guys uh, tweak from there? Or yeah, 
So how, how open is are, are the Archie comics letting you guys go back and forth like that? It's pretty. It was pretty open, but she was so good that I didn't really have too much to uh, to really say. You know what I mean? I, maybe I had some notes on the on the villain, on the mob boss, just because mm-hmm. I I just wanted him to be a little like a little bit bigger, more intimidating. It's really about it. She was she knocked it out the park. She was incredible. Mm-hmm. It really helped that she already had a lot of a lot of skill. Um, she was just really talented so it was a breeze working with her um, I honestly did not really have much too much uh, challenge in there because everyone was good and then my editor Jamie she's fantastic too she had some great points you know so for me it was, it was a smooth ride you know um, some of the other creators I, I don't know how much back and forth uh, they went with each other but in mm. terms of like me and my little my little squad it was you know beautiful you know so i I would imagine with some people though um you know uh when i did my independent projects back then uh it was kind of rough going back and forth with uh, some of the people but let me they weren't like as seasoned as the people i work with so you know talent and experience or experience really is, is everything it really comes to play because you know the people i work with here uh, versus when I did the indie stuff, the indie stuff I was obviously working with people who, you know, were indie. In, you know, they weren't like in the industry full fledged. Whereas the people I'm working with here on Archie, this is a they're the professionals. You know right. what I mean? So big difference in terms of like, uh, you know, it's like a uh, it's like a 50 mile per hour fastball versus like a 99 mile per hour precision fastball. Right. You know what I mean? It's like there's a, there's a difference in that scope. Well, you, you know? have to. Both people have to understand how comics work. When I'm mm-hmm. seeing this, um, I read a lot of. Um, Alan Moore was talking about when he used to write his scripts. You know, everybody hears about how detailed his scripts are. Yeah. But he'd also, in the beginning, he used to take his sheets of paper and kind of lay out really rough how the story would be, breakdowns. Yeah. And he said, he basically stopped. I've read other cartoonists said when they got the scripts, they just tossed those away. You know, read a script and then did their own. Yeah, like um, it was too much. Huh? Yeah. And I think Mike Barron did that for Steve Rude for the Nexus series. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've, I've even heard Alan Morris said he stopped doing that because, you know, the, the artists know. Well, if I was tasked to draw one, I would appreciate because I get overwhelmed just seeing the script. You know, it, it, that's. Um, a lot of work. Now, I imagine if I had done comics for a while, your your season, you kind of have a way of doing things, and maybe you know you would like to. I think it depends, like you say, on the experience of the people and what they're doing. But the writing kind of fascinates me because one, I'm not a writer whatsoever, and um, but when I read things, um. One, I guess, is the Marvel style. You know, everybody talks about the Marvel style. The basically... Marvel method. Yeah, they would... The writer would say, you know, just give a little synopsis, and the artist did everything. You, did, you know, wrote, basically wrote the story and drew it at the same time. Yeah. And um, and then they would go back over and re-script it. Um, sometimes that made magic. Um, I think... I've heard a lot of writers, like Roy Thomas, say what he got back wasn't really anything of what he put down in the synopsis, and of course it changed, and he changed it again. Yeah. But the one that I kind of scratched my head about was, you know, Jack Kirby left Marvel in 1970, and then came back in 76. 
Mm-hmm. And when I read this, you know, by this time Roy Thomas was in charge. And Stan Lee, you know, contacted Roy and said, Stan, uh, Jack wants to come back. Yeah. And Roy Thomas said, well, that's fine. Uh, we'll just get, you know, some good writers with him. And Stan said, well, that's the thing. He wants to write his stories. You know, which... Yeah. You know, and then... Which he wrote everything anyway, you yeah, know. He wrote everything anyway. <laughs> but, um, I was going to say that. I was waiting for you to... Yeah, but... Yeah. Then... Roy Thomas says, well, we can do some heavy editing. And then, you know, Stan Lee said, well, he wants to edit his stuff. I do think he should have had an editor, you know. I mean, but, and, and nevertheless, Roy Thomas kind of just, well, all right, he can do whatever he wants. Um, Marty Pascal, when Jack Kirby went to DC, he was doing the Fourth World stuff. Marty Pascal did, um, he wrote a letter. This was before he was professional. But he was talking about the heart of Marvel went to DC, but in that article he was saying that Jack's really not that good of a writer. Well, the stories were neat. Uh, he had a tin ear for dialogue. But all I wondered about was what, what was Roy Thomas talking about? He can't write the stories. I mean, what does Roy Thomas think a writer is? You know, um, um, saying that, I do think the work with Stan Lee was far superior than the, the work without him. Um, but it just kind of, it interests me exactly, um, I know yeah, when writers, yeah, the process and how they, um, you're thinking of comic panels, you're thinking of progressing the story, comic panels, you know, beginning, middle, and end. Um, also Camelot 3000, Mike Barr wrote it. It was originally supposed to be a four-issue series, and Lynn Ween was the, the editor, yeah. and he was talking to Mike Barr, and he said, well, you're going to need this much space to show this, and he was talking about how he's going to have the Knights, I think, show up in the first or second issue, and he says, actually, you're going to need some space to do this. It turned into a 12-issue series, but he's saying, you'll bring the Knights in in this part, but to me, that was your... your that, even though he's an editor, that's a writer's job, thinking think the process of how to put it out. Yeah. And that's when you're talking about the Kubert School, did that change your thinking any on how you're writing before to what you're writing now? Yeah, it did. It did because um, I essentially learned to get the point across per specific page. So although I don't want to like, you know, like you're saying, Alan Moore had everything like, it needs to be like this, it needs to be like this. I was more, I became more suggestive on things like, let's try to knock this part here on the page. I'm not saying you have to put it like in the right. first panel or you know, it has to be like, but like if we can knock this part out right here, that'd be great because then we still have room for the next three pages and then this happened because of this happened, you know, cause and effect kind of thing. So I have to like kind of put the notes in, but I leave a space for like my artist to be able to work with it. You know, right? So it's like uh, I'm I'm setting I'm setting tones I'm setting atmospheres. You know, it's daylight, it is exterior, it's nighttime, it's here. You know, and I'm kind of laying out those details, putting the dialogue of what they would say here or there. I can suggest that maybe three panels are good on this page, but if you need to do four panels or five panels, or if you think you can do it in two panels, by all means, go for it. You know, right? So. The big difference with comics is that, I think, is just that collaborativeness where it's like, look, I'm going to suggest this, but 
um, it's just kind of like a guideline because also some people need something like guidelines, you know? What right, I mean? absolutely. And so like, but it, it's fun to see when they're like, you know what? I was able to knock this out with like three panels and we were good. And then I see it's like, great, you know? I might have said five and they did it in three, but if they get the point across in the three, fantastic. You know what right. I mean? Because at the end of the day, I'm not drawing it, you know? Yeah. So they're drawing it. So if they can, you know, get that covered in that amount of time, fantastic, you know? So I just had to like, um, I basically um, just learned that different that different process and formatting and also learn to just narrow it down and not try to stick so much, not try to stick so much into the story. Um, maybe some details I have to omit, especially for like an annual kind of style like this where you don't have a whole book, you don't have 22 pages. So you have to tell your story in six pages or something, you know? Right. And so that's even that's even more challenging because now you've really got to bottle in and you're going to have to cut scenes out because you need to get to the point because you only got six pages to do it. And same thing with my, my, my you know, artist. She also has to now figure out how to, like, make all this happen in just six pages. So it, it's, it, it's definitely a, a, a task, but with partner with the right people and the right minds it's kind of like music you know you could like um you know how they say like when you sometimes you're with me even like with musicians you'll start to riff with somebody they'll start going on the bass and you'll start jamming on the drums right you know what i mean and you, and you know what point a to point b is but you don't really know how you're, you know what's supposed to be in there but you don't know exactly how it's going to be and so you're kind of laying it out and you get the rhythms and stuff and the count and uh yeah sometimes when you just find that that person you click with like that you make magic. And I think that's why you see a lot of uh, comic creators that you like when they pair them with each other. Yeah. You always know you're in for a good thing, you know? Yeah. yeah. It, it's like, you know, you have your favorites. Like, oh, so and so and so and so are together. This is going to be great. And it's because you know they riff well, you know? And, and comics are like that a lot, you know? It, it's, it's like a little dance, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's fun to see creative teams kind of switch up, too, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and, um, and inkers, inkers and pencilers. That sometimes can be imagined. Yeah, I. It's the whole whole thing where everybody working together. Nice. Yeah. Um, uh, speaking of, um, you're doing music too. Yeah, I. I uh, you know what? It's funny is, music is what I've been doing the longest. I'd say I've been playing really? piano since I was like five, and uh, I don't even really like post that i play piano which is funny but i do play piano eventually i will you know do more of that but i always figured when i was younger i was going to do all the skating stuff and then when i get older you know i'm going to go heavier deeper into my writing i'm going to go into the music because those things have always been constant with me and like music for me has always been uh it's always been like therapy for me really you know yeah. i've always done it just because it's been a therapeutic thing and i just enjoy melodies and stuff but i've always like been able to like hear a song and then figure out the notes you know play by ear and stuff mm. but that, i think that's just because you know they say ten thousand hours of something because i'm not kidding you like i was five years old with like a little casio piano like on a potty <laughs> you know what i mean like in the restroom and my parents would hear me like playing piano like he's playing piano on the restroom like he's sitting down like <laughs> taking a dump you know what i mean like like I, it dates that far back for me so like um i'll hear notes and stuff even like uh, when I was in, in elementary, I'd play trumpet. I played all kinds of instruments, and so like even when I hear certain sounds, 
my fingers will do this thing where like I'll hit three, two, one. It's like I know the notes, oh. the movement on my fingers with the sounds. And yeah. it's just because I've just been doing it for so freaking long that yeah. it, 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 uh, it's just, it's not really, it's not even really, it's just, I just done it for so long, you know? I wouldn't say like it's like talent. I'd just say it's like I just do anything for that long and you're like going to be, yeah. uh, good at it you know what i mean it's just like natural kind of thing so um it just you just learn it you just learn it it just becomes huh. like memory so but um i don't know I, i'm starting to get more into uh into just playing i i picked up a guitar again for the first time like i always dabbled on it but i really made myself learn during the pandemic so really all like the the, the guitar stuff i've been doing is really relatively new to me Okay. But since I've been playing music for so long on different instruments, I'm just picking it up a little hmm. quicker. It's just because the music's inside of me and the rhythms are in me. That's all, you know. But yeah, so, I just, like the SoundCloud that I found that uh, your SoundCloud uh, is oh, really yeah. kind of more like uh, like like dance music, trip hop stuff. Yeah, uh, you know. Uh, so so now you are you heading more over towards like guitar riffs and stuff like that, or are you still going to be doing uh, 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 some of the more dance stuff? I think I'm just gonna do uh, whatever just, like, take you where it takes you. <laughs> yeah, like if someone like l let's say like I have a buddy comes up and me is like you know Ruben I want to do a film score for this film and uh, I want it to be kind of electronic and so on and so forth. I can do that. You know what I mean? Like I can figure that part out. I guess I'm I can just do whatever. I just music. I just like to make music. There's even music that I'm not into, but. I, if I know it's done well, I can appreciate it. You know what I mean? It's right. like, like that's some good music. It's not my thing, but I know it's good. It's done well, yeah. and I just kind of have like an ear to hear that. And um, you know, right now, I guess I'm like on like the, the guitar tip. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of where I'm at right now, doing a lot of that, writing original songs. I actually want to eventually get into a recording studio and record like a bunch of originals that I've been coming up with during the yeah. pandemic. Um, I've got like a big batch of songs. I want to do that. Uh, maybe I'll go to a bunch of like little clubs and perform them in bunch in front of a bunch of strangers on purpose. I don't know who I am, just so I don't feel like like nervous. <laughs> I'm actually looking forward to that. I like the I like the idea of that. It's almost like doing stand up comedy in little clubs on purpose, just to see what hits and what doesn't. You know. Yeah. So I kind of want to play music like that at little you know little little coffee shops or little venues and just open up for some people uh just to jump in the fire like they say you know what i mean and, and uh and just uh you know um, yeah just like hit open mics and just like exactly get up there and just you know know that you don't know anybody in this bar so if you bomb who cares exactly you know? and like so. and that little that nervousness that adrenaline that little fear that comes with doing that i, I kind of thrive off of that it sounds weird but yeah. Um, I just kind of thrive off of that. It's, I'm not afraid of it. It's just kind of like, let's do it. Give me something to, to, to for at that moment, be worried about or preoccupied at that moment, you know? So when I'm doing it, like I said, I just jump in the fire or jump in the, uh, in the, in the ice water or whatever analogy <laughs> they want to use. You know what I mean? But I kind of yeah. dig that. And eventually I'm going to do that. Um, I'm just kind of harnessing the, kind of get my little uh, you know i'm building like my set list that's the way to say it i'm building a set list and then eventually i'll have my little set list and i'll go do my thing uh and then with all the electronic stuff um all that stuff i always kind of had it more in mind to like um utilize for like uh, uh you know like i said like television or produ producing something for someone's like show or short or film or something like that you know mm -hmm. uh, 
I, I don't remember. Are you working on a film, or did you finish a film? What, what What's happening with that? Um, so I was doing short films for a while, um, but uh, I stepped back from it because I just got more heavier into the writing stuff. Yep. Um, I actually used to do stunt work in films that came from skateboarding. Uh, okay. When I was skating, I got some gigs as like a skater, skating in like music videos and stuff, and then eventually from doing work on a couple sets uh they actually had me start playing like bad guys and doing some acting and stuff that had nothing to do with skating you know which is pretty pretty uh pretty cool um so i got to experience a lot of like different uh you know a lot of a lot of different things on a lot of different sets you know there was this you movie just out here modern day renaissance man yeah. you know, you know. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I did, a, a, for instance, like I did some skating stuff on two music videos. Uh, one of them was, was a, a band called Aiden. There's a song called Moment. And then I did this, this guy from American Idol, uh, he did a music video called uh, uh, Light, Light On. His name was David Cook. And uh, I came out in both of those, and I basically just got paid to just do like a, one of them, all I did was skate up to a car and give a high five to some dude. And then in another one, I actually like did some tricks like a 360 flip and stuff like that and uh but what what would happen is on both the sets uh instead of taking a, a paycheck and splitting i would hang around and uh, i would ask if it was okay if i could watch them do their thing because they're not done obviously they finish with us and we leave but um i i took that as like my film school you know right. um and uh they let me stay there and uh i since i stuck <clears> around i was just kind of big i was looking behind the camera seeing how they did everything because i love that stuff you know yeah and um and then one of the directors eventually he uh he just kind of like uh talked to me for a bit and it's like he i guess he just saw the spark in me and he was like uh, do you want to do some more of this like uh, are you okay if it has nothing to do with skateboarding? I was like, hell yeah, I'll do it, you know? And I ended up doing, like, some... I played bad guys in a couple different things. I did stunts. He knew since I was a skateboarder, I could take a fall and a hit, you know? So I did this movie called Border Lost, and I played, like, three different bad guys. They just outfitted me different. <laughs> and uh, they shot me with beanbag bullets, and I was flying back onto, like, <laughs> these like uh, these mattress cushions, and I was, I was getting shot down the floor, and... I was doing all kinds of crazy stuff like that and it was fun like doing all that film and all that um, but even when I was doing that what I really found that I enjoyed the most was was creating writing so like directing was like the thing you know so someday I'll get back and, and direct a, a film and all that because I really like to just you know one of these days one of those original stories I write I want to make it you know what I mean like make it make it you know be the yeah. one to make it so yeah. that's, that's something for the future you know Man, that's that's awesome. yeah. Like I said, you're just out here, modern modern day Renaissance man, and just you know, do you know, following the dopamine, whatever whatever catches your eye. You know, that's awesome, man. I love it. I just, I just, I just charge it. You know, I mean the 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 I would drive like four hours to go to some of the shoots, you know what I mean? And when I'd get there, I'd be the dude who came the farthest, always. I never yeah. found anyone that came farther than me. And they always thought I was psycho for even being there because they were like, <laughs> for them, it was just like an audition or whatever. And they were there. If they didn't get it, they'd go across the street in Hollywood and go somewhere else. And for me, I went all the way over there and it was like, no, I have to get this. 
you know right. it was kind of like a different mentality like i drove four hours if i drove four hours back that's eight hours you know what i mean right. so it, it it's a lot I, I put a lot of work into it. i'd sleep in my car you know what i mean i did whatever i had to do but, uh fortunately for me the way i broke in was with skating so like i didn't really have versus people who come in and try to break into like film and television and all that they obviously have a ton of people trying to book the same thing as them but when i was there for like skateboarder specific roles i didn't have like a mountain of people i had to fight mm. for it you know what i mean because yeah it's only it's a skateboard you have to learn you have to know how to skate to begin with so that niche in itself was kind of always an in you know what i mean right yeah um which goes for anything else like if you have like a niche that's going to be your easiest thing like even in the comic book industry like if everyone wants to be an artist it's going to be tough you know what i mean which yeah. that's the thing it's tough but like if you're going in there and you're like oh well i just want to be a colorist or i'm a letterer mm. and like you approach them and you're like oh i'm a letterer and like it's like oh like that's all you do like yeah like i'm a professional letterer then boy you're gonna get a fast pass compared to everybody right. else you know what i mean right. because it's few and far between the amount of people that are trying to fight there's others right but like the amount that you're fighting for to get the letterer job is 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 a uh, you know peanuts compared to everyone who's trying to be an artist you know or, or or writer writer super hard i mean it took me years you know what i mean but like yeah you know what i mean yeah, that kind you, of had, you had that passion and you just kept following it and you got it i mean you did yeah. it so yeah yeah that's, that's yeah you fall you get back up you try again you know what i mean exactly yeah it's 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 and you gotta stay focused you just gotta believe that it's just gonna work out you just basically gotta just be stubborn about it really you know what i mean and right. focused and, and not give up and and it'll pull through uh, it'll eventually pull through. You just got to give it as much as you can relentlessly. And besides, if it's what you love to do and you're going to do it no matter what, then you're just going to do it. You know what I mean? It just right. is what it is. You know what I mean? There's really no ands, ifs or about it, you know? So absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So Ruben, where can everybody find you on the internet and the World Wide webs? So you can find me, uh, my official site is uh, com. R-U-B-E-N-N-A-J-E-R-A.com. Um, on Instagram and Twitter, it's just my name, at Rubenajera. Uh, and June 15th, uh, worldwide, go to your local LCS, uh, the best Archie comic ever. It's going to be in stores. There's two different covers, a cover in A and a B. Um, they're both amazing. Um, but it's a great price for a one shot with three fantastic stories in it. I guarantee you're going to dig it. Um, and yeah, that's, that's pretty much, that's pretty much that. I mean, everybody that that's listening, um, if you have a passion that you want to pursue, uh, go for it. You know what I mean? I, I, I actually, uh, another little passion, um, I actually got inspired because I listen to so many podcasts like your guys is I'm actually starting my own podcast. It's <laughs> passions personified and it's, i'm just gonna I've, talk to people that are doing the different things in different careers and just talk about their passions so nice. first nice. episode will launch uh like at the end of this month the first person that i interviewed um for my show is uh, john dupre and he's the he's the person that made the soundtrack for the entire teenage mutant ninja turtles movie the first second and the third one hmm. and he's out in the uk and we did a really cool interview, and that was a that was a super cool because, boy, like hearing his journey as a composer, I learned a lot, you know. Yeah. Um, and um, and then you guys doing your show, thank you for having me on. You guys keep up the great work. I appreciate both of you. Um, and 
yeah, like I said, I I, I was already a fan. I was already a, already a listener beforehand. You know what I mean? Nice. I appreciate you guys, and keep doing your thing. And uh, we we are all fellow uh, fellow brothers, and all to all the brothers, and all the sisters as well out there that collect comics. Uh, we all have this like minded passion, nice. and um, it's just something we all bond on and and uh, forever. You know what I mean? And, and right. I just think that's the coolest thing, man. You know, so, our love for the comics. Man. You know, it's it's forever. So, uh, yeah, that's that's it. Thank you. Well, also, could you tell the name of your shop and where it's oh, at? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Metahumans Comics. Uh, we are in El Centro, California. Uh, if you're in the California area, uh, we're at four 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 North Imperial Avenue, El Centro, California. Zip code nine two two four three. And uh, yeah, that's that's our store, but. Um, if you're not local, we have a lot of like store exclusives. We did stuff with like Marvel, DC, um, uh, IDW with the Ninja Turtles. We have our own store exclusive variants, and you can find those at uh, metahumanscomics.com. Metahumanscomics.com. And um, exactly how it sounds metahumans, M E T A H U M A N S, uh, comics.com. And we have all our store exclusives on there. You'll find them on there. We pretty much done something with like every major publisher, and uh, our store is the only place you could find those those variants. But we've done covers with David Nakayama, Joseph Michael Linsner. Um, we did two with Nakayama actually. Uh, Dean Eagle, that was a favorite of mine. We did a Red Sonia cover with him. He's yeah, the one I saw that, that that was cool. Again. Yeah, that's a cool one, man. And he's the one that that uh, everyone knows who he is without even knowing. He he created the Honey Nut Cheerios B. Oh, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah. He also oh my did the, God. the Cookie Crisp yeah. cartoons on the. So everybody's seen his art and they don't even realize it, you know. And he did our Red Sonia cover. How cool is that? That's what's what's one of my favorite ones. That's dude. amazing. Yeah. And uh, and uh, actually, he'd be a cool cool guest for your guys' show. <laughs> um, he's got a long history in in uh, as a cartoonist. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, just we did a lot of different variants. Uh, Jeff DeKyle did our. Our, our Vampirella, uh, Dave Garcia did our Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle variant. Mm. So uh, Daniel Warren Johnson did our uh, our Bloodshot. So we've worked with some like really well known people in right. the uh, in the yeah, industry. Yeah. They've done variants for my store, and uh, those are exclusive to our site. So if you're if anyone interested out there, you can pick one up there, and uh, I would much much appreciate it. We usually hook you up with extra stuff when you order something from there. So. Right. You get more buck for your more bang for your buck. We always hook it up with something extra. Now, if somebody shows up at your store with a copy of the awesome Archie comic you've done, would you sign it for them? Oh, always. All right, always. that's that's why I was putting this no, no, out no, no. there. They got to buy it at his store <laughs> and oh, then he'll sign. But what if what if they come like a couple of years after it's on sale? You know? Yeah, I will. Yeah. I will always sign it for free. Yeah, I'll always sign it for free. I appreciate anyone that supports seriously because, like, I I I am like. Here's the thing, everyone that, that's like listening, like I, I am you, all right. I am you. I go to the conventions. I've been going. I, I know a lot of people like to go to like the big shows and they'll go to the, the San Diego Comic Cons and this and the big, the big mega conventions. I go to like all the little shows. I go to all the shows you've never heard of. I go to all the flea markets. I go to like, I, I love comic books. Right. You know what I mean? And I've been immersed in it since forever. And I'll go to the smallest thing to the biggest thing. Like I, you know, if now that I'm writing and, and 
you know, in the door like that, I'm not going to charge for anything like that. I, I just appreciate everything um, that I get to work on. I appreciate everybody that supports. Uh, I'll always remember that, you know, I, I you know, I, I have a, a different upbringing, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've gone through a struggle in my entire life, you know, I know what it is. Um, I'll never forget it. I, I, I carry that on my shoulder always. So it's like, um, I just appreciate anyone that supports. So if anyone ever brings a copy and I will always sign, all right, whatever to whoever you want, whatever, you know what I mean? You name it. Uh, so just thank you to everyone that supports. Excellent. And, uh, yeah, that's it. And thank you guys. You know, I appreciate you guys. Oh, right back at you. Um, I will say you should be wearing a cape all the time. You know, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I was expecting some of this, but I, you just kept going on about stuntman and the movies. And if you would have kissed Sophia Loren, I would be really upset. You know, but you haven't done that one or Raquel Welch. But you know, I'm sure I'm sure the time will come. <laughs> All right. Uh, anybody listening, uh, to announce a new episode on the Facebook page and the Facebook group, we use fake comic book covers. Uh, we can't pay you for it, but it's yours to own, and if you allow us to, we'll put it on the cover gallery of the blog. And if you're any kind of recording artist, um, we ha usually have a music break, except we have a guest. So if you have any recordings you'd like us to play, we're always looking for them, and we're getting actually kind of desperate. So... <laughs> Please send it to the contact page. Uh, we're always happy when we get one. Um, and we have t-shirts. The t-shirts are to pay for the hosting fee. It's on the sidebar of the blog. Uh, listen to the show. Wear the shirt. Rook? Guys, uh, we appreciate everything and everybody. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. Until next time. Read. More. Comics. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can hear our most recent that. 20 episodes on iTunes. If you would like to hear our older episodes, you can find them on our blog. Just go to bunchofdorks.com and click, click on, on the Cyclops. True Dimension can be found on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe, rate, leave a review, tell a friend, or like us on Facebook. Thanks for listening.